Hey everybody, how's it going? Thanks for joining me today. I've got a great guest. I think you're really going to enjoy. Jesse Kelly is the host of radio and TV. He's over on the first. Jesse, thanks for joining me. Shoot, I'm a fan, man. Thanks for having me. Oh, no, absolutely. So we're going to get into all kinds of stuff with Jesse. He's going to tell us why the right doesn't fight. He's going to tell us about a new book that he has coming out. But before we jump into all that, guys, I want to tell you really quick about the fearless event that is coming up. You turn on the news or you open up Twitter these days and you know that things are going really wrong. You know that men desperately need God. And that's what inspired Jason Whitlock to organize this fearless army roll call event. It's a all-day event encouraging men to put on the full armor of God and to take a stand against evil forces destroying American culture. At the conference, you'll hear inspiring speeches from guys like Jason and several other special guests that will inspire you to be a better husband, father, and a witness for Christ. Uh, Roll Call will inspire, uplift, and entertain. Make sure to go ahead and join the hundreds of like-minded men in Nashville that will be joining on April 15th for this important conference. Tickets will be on sale, and they will, of course, probably sell out very quickly. So make sure that you go to fearlessarmyrollcall.com to purchase your tickets today. Again, that's fearlessarmyrollcall.com. So, Jesse, uh, you know, I've seen you everywhere. You know, everyone's seen you on Tucker Carlson. You are blowing up because I think you speak uh, to an important aspect of the right, something about the right that a lot of people are super frustrated with, that they simply will not fight. They don't know how to address issues. I want to get into that. But before we start, I want to know how you got started. How did you end up talking about, you know, uh, politics, all of that. I think you were an army guy or sorry, a Marine, right? I wouldn't want to insult you. (laughs) (laughs) Well, you just, no, it was, it was, I kind of lucked into this whole thing, man. I was uh, born Ohio, moved to Montana when I was 10 years old and then just grew up in a construction family. My dad did it. His dad did it beforehand. That's what we did. Normal life. Uh, I was a bit of a wild kid, kind of a dirt ball. And I got a 0.0 grade point average my first semester of college out of high school. That's a true story. And decided I didn't want to be a turd anymore. So I joined the Marines, wanted to serve my country. I went to Iraq, got out of Iraq. And we weren't political, by the way. We were never political. I knew we were Republican, but that's all I knew. We did just not something to discuss in in the house. Went back to doing construction after I got out of the Marines. Obama started running. I got really mad about it because I knew I wasn't super political, more historical. But I knew this is a bad thing. This is a bad person. This guy wants something bad. So I ran for Congress twice, lost twice, got out of politics, started selling RVs, a job I found on Craigslist. That's another true story. And eventually I got to know this radio host, Michael Berry, my mentor down here in Houston, who said, I think you could be really special at a media career if you ever wanted to give it a shot. So I once again quit my job with no job and threw myself into it. That was about four and a half years ago. And here I am today talking to the great Aaron. So uh, it worked out all right, but I kind of lucked into the whole thing, to be honest. Yeah, I know what you mean. I, I had a similar similar story. Didn't know, <laughs> no background in this kind of thing. So it's it's always wild how these things will turn out. But like I said, I think your your voice has been heard pretty strongly because you're addressing the issue of fighting back. 
so many people are incredibly frustrated with the way that the establishment GOP addresses things. We hear about uh, you know these crises, you have to donate now, we got to take action, blah, blah, blah. And then these people are sitting around laughing, talking to each other, joking with the left, and, you know, acting like they're best buddies. You know, George W. Bush is sharing candy with, with Michelle Obama at the end of the day after he's been called a war criminal, you know, time and time again. What is up with this? Why is the right ha- so bad at fighting back? Why is the GOP so hesitant to really bring it to the left? They don't understand what we're facing. That, that, well, that's how it began. The GOP, if we're talking about the Washington, D.C., Mitch McConnell, George Bush types, they know that they're in. They're in the in club. They're always going to be rich. They're always going to be taken care of. There's never going to be any serious moves made against them. So they're fine. They actually, like, if we're talking about the Washington elite, they actually feel worse about the GOP base. They look down on the GOP base more than the communists actually do. Mitch McConnell and those types, the Lindsey Grahams, these people, the way they speak about people like you, Aaron, and your audience and me behind doors, it would make you'd march on Washington with pitchforks, the way they speak about us. They really genuinely just think you're a bunch of ignorant rubes. You wanna you want you wanna secure your own border, just ugh, like that's how they look at us. But for the GOP in general. They don't. They haven't understood that there has been a massive sea change on the other side, and they're acting like that's not the case. They act like we are just in some kind of a. I mean, heated, of course, but it's a political game. And look, we'll give a little, and they'll give a little, and that's just kind of how we're going to do things here. They act like we live in a world that everyone actually wants to live in, instead of the world we actually live in where every single major entity has been taken over by a cultural Marxist trying to burn America to ash. And they don't act like that. They act like, ah, it'll be fine. Oh, whoa, let's get together on an omnibus bill. And, and they act as if we're just in a friendly game of politics and not against people who are trying to burn the house down. And that's a big deal. If you can't, if you can't decipher whether or not the person you live with is, just has different ideas on how to improve the house or is actively trying to burn it down, you're in a bit of trouble. Yeah, I think that's a really important distinction, that GOP establishment versus maybe the average conservative understanding, because I think you're right that that GOP establishment, they know they're safe, they're, they're okay with that. It, it's more or less controlled opposition. They're here to manage the right. They're not here to lead the right somewhere, right? It, these are people that they kind of have to keep in line so they can keep things flowing the correct way, but there's there's no real interest in any kind of leadership towards a new goal. And then you have conservatives in general who I think do want to see real change, do want to see something happen, but they're still under this impression that they're having some kind of battle in the marketplace of ideas and you know, we're all going to work it out by by talking about it and they're, they'll, they'll eventually convince the left that they were wrong and they'll all shake hands and then we'll kind of go back to the 1950s or whatever. Yeah. And that just, that just never seems to happen. So, so, one thing that I think is really interesting is you've got this new book that's going to be coming out. It's the Anti-Communist Manifesto. A lot of people get kind of worked up when people talk about the opposition as communist, right? Because they, they say very specifically, and I think there's some some fairness to this, Marxism is a, very, is a particular economic ideology, right? And so how can these people be Marxists when Apple and Google and BlackRock and, you know, Goldman Sachs are on their side? But I think I've heard you talk about this, and, and I think it's a good frame for people to understand, because I've heard it echoed by others, that really communism is kind of when the, when the, when the spiteful mutants, the resentful, the, the people who 
want to destroy what is happening try to bend and twist things so that they can dismantle kind of America as we see it now. And the kind of the economics part was just kind of a useful thing at the moment for people who have a general interest in attacking America as it stands. Yeah, that's because people don't understand history. Those are the people who get upset about using the word communist. One, I just want to say this before I go into my explanation. This is another reason the right loses and another reason that I admire the communists somewhat. And I do in, in many different ways I do. I admire the communist's clarity of purpose and clarity of who his enemy is. He never looks at the right and says, well, no, that's not a, a neo-Nazi. It's not a white supremacist. No, he's a, look, he's on the right, kind of a conservative. We disagree about some things. Hey, let's not be extreme. You right. never hear the communists say that at all. It's no, mm -hmm. that's a Nazi white supremacist. Burn him to the ground. A clarity of who his enemy is and what should be done to his enemy and what should be done to his enemy. But the right will immediately, well, hey, uh, let's not overheat the rhetoric. I, uh, let's, uh, they're just well-meaning liberals, a little bit biased. This is another reason we fail. We won't speak with clarity, and we don't see things with clarity. And the people don't understand communism at all. They think it's some stupid dictionary definition about the workers. Communism took a totally different form everywhere it's ever been tried. In the Soviet Union, it was about the urban poor. Why? Because as Aaron just pointed out, that's where the malcontents were. They were the urban poor. The Soviets tried to get China to do the exact same thing when they were working with Mao. Hey, focus on the urban poor. And Mao said, you're an idiot. That won't work here. We don't have malcontents as urban poor. We have malcontents as rural poor. So that's why Mao started in the hinterlands. And in, in Cambodia, it looked different. In Germany, East Germany, it looked different. It looks different everywhere because all communism is is the search for society's malcontents so you can grab them, use their angst to enrich yourself and gain political power. I mean, people talk about Apple and Google. They couldn't possibly be communists because they're too rich. Uh, do you know how rich the Kim family is in North Korea? Who was the largest purchaser of Hennessy in the history of the planet? The current fat guy, his father, I forget the uns or the ills or whichever, which one it is. There always is this cabal or sometimes one guy of rich people on top enriching themselves and a bunch of idiot malcontents at the bottom who think that they're just about to take the seat of power as soon as they continue the revolution for the boss. And it never seems to work out that way. It's the same year. Yeah, I think it's really key for people to grasp that that friend-enemy distinction is something that the right is just terrible oh. at. <laughs> like you said, you know, the, the left totally gets this. They understand that they cannot rule without victory, right? And so they are willing to go ahead and they, they don't need to, to minutia. They don't need to slice the onion super thin. They just need to win. They just need victory so that they can impose their will on others. And I think there's a lot of people in conservatives who are super uncomfortable with understanding that that's how it works both ways. Like there, there is no freedom without victory. These people are not going to leave you alone. They're not going to, they're not going to let you section off and, and run things your own way. Either you take, you take these institutions back from these people or build alternative institutions that completely discredit and undermine their power, or they're going to rule you. But this just seems something that completely escapes many on the conservative side. They can't do it. I, I, well, I, I, that's probably shortchanging people on the right. They haven't been able to do it thus far, and it takes a long time to change one's mentality. The, the right doesn't understand. You won't ever see victory unless some of those people go to prison. Like, the right doesn't understand that. You know, people have to go to prison, right? You have to take people, arrest them, 
have public trials and throw people, including journalists, into prison if you want to save this country. Like, the, the, if you said that to the right, they would instantly recoil in horror. But the, the left understands, the communist understands that we're only talking about power. This is a game of power. The right wants to imagine we're the founding fathers and are, and you're Thomas Jefferson, and I'm John Adams, and we're just having an argument about the, the Constitution. We've all seen the painting. And if we just cite the 10th Amendment enough times, then everyone will come around. They're never interested in popularity. Has anybody picked up on that yet? All the huge things they passed, the omnibus bill passed on a Friday night when no one's paying attention, Obamacare passed on Christmas Eve, if memory serves me, all these huge unpopular things, yet they passed them anyway. Why? Because they're smart and they understand that the silent majority has got to be the lamest freaking rally cry I've ever heard in my entire life. That's why you're losing because you're silent. Numbers don't matter. Popularity doesn't matter. All that matters is power. And they have understood this forever. That's why we are busy raising kids, going to church on Sunday, eating steak dinners. They're going to take over the, the local library. <laughs> who wants to work as a librarian? That sounds lame. You know who wants to work as the local librarian? The one who wants to bring a drag queen in to wave his penis in front of your child. That's who does. The communists. Yeah, that's exactly right. It's funny, you know, Walter Littman, you know, a good liberal back in the 1920s, wow. wrote a book about public opinion saying, look, as liberals, as good progressives, it's our job to manufacture the truth so democracy chooses correctly, right? Th this is old. This is not new. This is not something that just got cooked up in, in the 1990s or with, you know, critical race theory or something. This is at the foundation of American progressivism. This is the core of what it's about. They understood that manufacturing public consent was the key to victory. So you're right. They don't worry about what's popular. They worry about making it popular once they have control of institutions. They understand that delivering the narrative and coding their uh, understanding as kind of the null hypothesis of law gives them power over everyone below them and will eventually make things popular. You look at stuff like you know, the redefinition of marriage. This is something that Barack Obama and Hillary Clinton came out against in 2008. Now it's something that Republicans are pushing in the Senate, right? They signed a bill for it. I mean, come on, who are we kidding? We think this, do you think this was popular uh, when California rejected it in Proposition 8? No, but it's popular now. Why? Did they convince everybody with a force of argument? No, they changed the law. They won the Supreme Court rulings. Yeah, they seize. Well, they're the great gatekeepers is what they are. They're so good at this today. Like all this stuff isn't popular. People look at some uh, rainbow flag uniforms in the NHL or something like that. And they they scream and they yell. That's what no one wants this. No one. Who asked for this? It should just be the regular uniforms. What are we doing? And then they'll say, of course, well, we are the silent majority. We don't want this. None of that matters at all. They realized I need to seize the education system. By the way, I write about this in the Anti-Communist Manifesto, the history of a lot of this stuff. As soon as they took over the education system, they wrote down, we can't let them know what we're doing. They are always saying that. We can't let them know what we're doing. They seize the education system. That will eventually give you the corporate world as you work your way up through the university system. They make your movies. They make your music. They, they play your sports for you now. They, they do. They own the military in this country now, the, all the leadership of the United States military. They control everything that goes into your eyes and ears. So I couldn't care less about some big silent majority underneath when everything on top pushes the same message. That's what matters. And we allow them to happen. And then we, we say lame things like, but we're the majority as if that matters at all. We, 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 are, we are 500 people with slingshots surrounding 50 people with 50 cows telling them we're the majority. You have to listen to us. No, they don't.
So I wonder what you think about this. I, th I think one of the big things that keeps conservatives from being able to fight back effectively is kind of this worship of the public-private distinction, right? A, a lot of conservatives look at uh, corporations and they say, oh, well, that's a private company. They can do whatever they want, right? Or they, or they look at a university and they say, well, that should be independent. It shouldn't have any kind of political influence. And then you even see guys like Chris Rufo who push back against this political indoctrination in these university departments. And all of a sudden, you know, guys like Jordan Peterson even are saying, whoa, whoa, we can't go, you know, stopping the teaching of radical ideas in, in college. What'll happen? It's like there's this, there's this barrier that conservatives believe that they have to always honor and that will always safeguard them from this, even though it's very clear that these ideas, like you said, filter up through education, through entertainment, and they move in from public and private organizations, and they completely take over your uh, society. How are conservatives ever going to fight back if they don't understand that this ideology moves very easily between these public, public and private spheres? Yeah, they won't. They won't. And, and it's almost childlike the naivete of the conservatives sometimes where he he has this world that he wants, and it, look, it's a world I want too. He he wants, you know, he'll he'll, so, he'll say things like, uh, "Let's get the we don't need politics in education." The, the people on the right love to say that. Just get the politics out of education, as if that's in any way something that's possible at all. Your child is not taught by a robot. Your child is taught by a flesh and blood human being. They will have biases. Those biases will come through. Your child will pick up on their biases and values. You can choose whether you want those biases to be your values or your enemy's values, but I promise you the enemy is not going to have any hesitation with what he wants out of that whole thing. But we do this lameness all, and then when we talk about banning, like you were just talking about banning and public and private, again, we go back to this world we want to live in. No, corporations should be uh, apolitical. Okay, yeah, they should be, but they're not. All right, the sky should rain Sour Patch Kids today. They should be, but they're not. Instead, these corporations take their massive, massive monetary power, oftentimes in conjunction with the government, using taxpayer money because they almost all get bailed out now, and they use all that money and power and influence to make billboards and TV commercials and everything else, pushing this cultural Marxist filth all over everything. They shouldn't, but they do. So either you can make them pay for that or they'll never stop because the only thing the communist understands is fear and pain. That's all he understands. You're not going to reason with him. You're not going to appeal to his good nature. But we do this because we assign our values to the communist. That is, it's a human thing to do. The guy walking across the street shares, of course, some values with me. That's something that I would, that I would assume, but I would be wrong. I would be wrong. He has a totally, totally different outlook on life. A different way to view things. This is why the right, sorry, Aaron, I'm going off for a second. This is why the right, this is why the right loves to point out the hypocrisy. That's all conservatism has really been in my entire life. Can you imagine if a Republican did that? Or, or I can't believe John Kerry's flying private again. We pointed out his hypocrisy the last hundred times, but he's still flying private. Why is he doing that? John Kerry doesn't share your values. If you were called a hypocrite, it would bother you. You don't want to be a hypocrite. Hypocrites are bad people, even though we're all kind of hypocrites. Hypocrites are bad people. You don't want to be. If someone called you one, you'd look at yourself and think, man, am I a hypocrite? John Kerry doesn't care if he's a hypocrite. It doesn't move him at all. He knows. He doesn't care about that. He thinks he's a king and you're a peasant and he's going to fly private and you're going to eat bugs and you can go screw yourself if you don't like it. 
Yeah, it's not hypocrisy, it's hierarchy, right? Yeah, it's these course. people, they're, they're letting you know that they are in charge, they're your betters, they're the ones that dictate how you should live, and you don't get to, they don't need to, you know, look at you and get advice on you and how to live their yep. lives, they're the ones that tell you to how to live your life. And they and, want you to know, Aaron. they want you yeah. know, I'm sorry, they want you to know, I want people to understand this, these politicians, they understand full well that we live in the cell phone era, that every time you're out in public, everybody and their brother has their phone up. Oh, I'm on Instagram with the governor. Everybody, these guys know this. Yet how many people, how many of these politicians were caught violating their own COVID rules during COVID lockdown? It didn't happen once. It was like all of them. And nobody on the right seemed to pick up. They're doing this on purpose. They want you to know, no, no, you wear a mask. You go home. You don't get to go to your job. No, your child stays home. But keep in mind, King Jesse will do whatever he pleases. They want you to know they're doing it on purpose. Yeah, so getting back to this idea of kind of communism as an attack on the establishment, just a collection of people who want to dismantle the, the hierarchy of the United States. I think as we see this, right, we see a lot of Leninism involved in this, right? A lot of people have to be installed who are sufficiently loyal to the party. Clown world becomes a uniform. Your your allegiance to the ridiculousness shows how, how loyal you all to the, are to the party and how much you can be trusted. Your actual ability doesn't really matter. What really matters is how much you can show people that you're willing to believe and swallow anything that's pushed down by these people. But obviously, we're seeing some trade-offs, right? If you keep replacing competent people with people who are only loyal to the party, eventually things break down, right? And I think we're starting to see that. We see what's happening in East Palatine right now. We see, you know, train derailments, planes can't take off. We don't know how to manufacture antibiotics in this country. We're still relying on China, who, who created, you know, the, the very disaster that we wanted them to solve with drugs. Like, we're, we're still doing this stuff, and it's only getting worse. Eventually, this has to have a break point, right? Eventually, the consequences of this Leninism have to be overbearing for the regime, and they take a hit on this, right? Well, that's the bad news, <laughs> yeah. eventually, but there's, it, it's going to take so long. This is what you just referenced is what I've been calling lately the death of everything. And it sounds a little you know, hyperbole, but it really is that. And I use, I use this example. Uh, if I start a construction company, you know, we build houses, only I decide every applicant, all that matters, you have to have red hair. Like, I don't care if you have any experience or whatever you got. Just Jesse's Ginger Construction Company. Just bring me all the gingers, right? Well, what does that do to my construction company over time? How many homes are crumbling? How many, because they don't know what they're doing. It's just a bunch of sunburnt gingers out there building bad homes because I've chosen to focus on something that doesn't matter at all, the color of someone's hair. We are doing that as an entire nation right now. Not only are we doing it, it's public. They are publicly saying right now, we are not choosing the best pilot to fly you and the other 300 people on the plane around anymore. They're, this is public. This is not private. They're saying this publicly. We're not picking the best pilot. We need some black women in here. This is, this is a, a stance that companies are taking publicly. Companies who can be sued, they're taking that stance publicly. Apply that to the medical field, that next surgery you have. That's your doctor. Went through the medical school. That's apply that to the cops, the judges, the lawyers, apply it to the private sector. Everything will die slowly as we as a nation focus on diversity and equity and everything that doesn't matter at all. 
So help me out here, because this is something that I hear from some people in the GOP, and it, it really confuses me. So we have civil rights law, right? And civil rights law has done so much for the left. It's, 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 it's still achieving all kinds of things that they want. It's allowing them to separate children from their parents as long as the children think they've received some kind of identity from their kindergarten teacher, right? Like, like it, it's enabling the government to do all this stuff. And I'm told by conservatives that you can't talk about this because, you, because civil rights law is basically like sacred and there's, there's no way to address this. But civil rights law doesn't seem to stop the actual like government of the United States from discriminating against certain people, right? As long as they're the right color of skin. Like you said, we have you know private private companies like airplane companies, and we also have public entities specifically choosing not to hire people because they don't meet some kind of diversity quota. If civil rights law is supposed to solve this problem, why does it only seem to work one way? Why does it only seem to work for some groups? And others, is this just because they favor the left? Is that all civil rights law is at this point? Of course it's all it is at this point. All, all, all laws are at this point in time, once all the communists have taken over the administrative state and every other thing, all laws are simply a cudgel used to beat the right. But the right is so pathetic on, when it comes to things like this, because they're like that, that dog that's been abused and hit too many times. Now you got to do is raise your hand and the dog will go scurry to the corner. That's how Republicans operate whenever any issue comes up that might have to do with black people at all. They have been so beaten over the face with, with you're a racist, America's racist, you're a racist, America's racist. We have to win the black vote. Let's get the black vote. Hey, did we spring enough people out of prison to get the black vote? Let's get the black vote. That now, the second you bring up anything that has to do with rights, or if you bring up the fact that the United States government has declared open war on the American church, because that's the last major voting block of their political opponents. If you bring any of these things up, they will immediately go run and hide in the corner and tell you, well, I mean, you don't understand. I, we, look, I have black friends. You get these lame arguments that aren't even what you're talking about at all. We're not talking about skin color here. We're talking about a war being waged on you, a political war, a cultural war, using things like the Civil Rights Act against the political opponents of the left. It has nothing to do with skin color anymore. Those days are gone. Wake up and grow up. JFK's dead. We have a brand new Democrat party now. Well, and like you said, we know that the FBI just uh, rescinded a memo, whatever that means, about you know them targeting Catholic services if they happen to be more traditional and use the Latin mass. It's wild how, again, I see so many Republicans just be like, we need to worry about candidate equality. We've got to get that. We, we got to figure <laughs> out, you know, while, while the FBI is literally just going around and persecuting Christians, getting, you know, attacking parents who want to protest a school board meeting because their, you know, their child was raped in a bathroom by a transgender student. Like we, we just see this over and over again, the FBI specifically going out of its way to target pro-life people. They are actively attacking the, the GOP coalition, or at least what's supposed to be the GOP coalition in theory. And all the GOP can talk about is like, well, we got, got to get rid of any of those Trump guys so we can get more Mitt Romney's elected. They'll solve this problem. What is going yeah. on? Yeah, no, it's, it's definitely Herschel Walker's fault. And not I, look, this is this is exactly what I'm talking about, Aaron. And the right is maybe things are so far gone that I can make an excuse for them. But I want people to really sit and think about this for a moment. The Supreme Court overturned Roe versus Wade. Because abortion is a sacrament to the communists and they're all anti-humans anyway. Well, Solzhenitsyn called them the enemies of humanity. That's probably a better way to put it. They love abortion, right? So they were really mad that Roe versus Wade got overturned and there were states where it got banned. 
in response to the Supreme Court overturning a law, the Department of Justice worked in conjunction with the FBI to go have pastors arrested for reading Bible verses at abortion clinics. That is such a shocking abuse of power in a nation that was interested in surviving, the entire Federal Bureau of Investigation would have been shut down immediately, closed the doors, nobody allowed in the office. We will have public hearings and decide whether the place can ever be opened. That's the kind of reaction you have to that kind of abuse of power. Merrick Garland goes to prison and never sees the light of day again. I'm talking 23 hours a day, complete confinement. That's how a sane country would respond to that kind of abuse of political power. Instead, I think we talked about it for 15 minutes, and it's, oh, well, hey, man, that's Herschel Walker's an idiot, huh? <laughs> that's who we are. Yeah, absolutely. You just look at what's happening with Fetterman right now, and, and you know, he, 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 he can't speak. He's going to the, the hospital for depression. But, yeah, we're still talking about candidate quality on the right. If the left can, can elect Joe Biden, but, but really, yeah, it's, it's Marjorie Taylor Greene that's the issue. Yeah. Um, so uh, before we wrap things up, do you see any bright spots? We've talked a lot about the problems here, but do you see any encouraging movement, any people or any any areas where you think the right's getting it? They're starting to understand what's going on. You're seeing a positive change in the way their mentality and how they're going to approach this stuff? Oh, of course. I see tons of it. The problem is people who don't see it are looking in the wrong places. If you're looking in the federal government, you're not going to find it there. The federal government's lost. It's gone. You're stressing about 2024 and you shouldn't. Forget, put, the, forget, put that out of your mind. People are waking up and they're running for local office, school board. There are still huge pockets in this country, millions and millions and millions of people, huge pockets where you can preserve a, a great bit of your way of life for your kids and their kids and their kids after them if you turn into an activist locally. Yes, you should be protesting in front of your city hall with signs and screaming until the local drag show is stopped. You should be running for school board. You should be running for DA, for sheriff. And people are. I get. I get. I have email after email after stacks of them of people telling me, "Jesse, I'm running. I'm on. Jesse, I'm in the school board now. I don't know what I'm doing. It's so exciting, Jesse." Over and over and over again, people are waking up to how bad it is, and that's really what we need, Aaron. Because as much as I make fun of them for the silent majority thing, we are a majority. Like what you want is what people want. We just haven't had any idea how to fight for it yet. If we could just slap that majority awake, we can do a lot of good. And they're waking up slowly. I hope that's true. I think it's going to take some more, a little more top-down uh, capture. I think it's going to take some more institutions and some people who well, can shake those things uh, up. But yeah, but you're right. It, it local does matter. If you were looking to make a difference, you know, running for sheriff, running for school board, controlling those local offices can do way more. As somebody who who is, uh, you know, a, a subjective King DeSantis at the moment, uh, let me tell you, it's a it's a much better uh, better life down in Florida than it was in most places during COVID. So those regional leadership matters in a way that unfortunately sometimes that federal leadership cannot. So that's that's definitely I think a good message for people to understand. All right, Jesse. So. Where or I guess the book is coming out, but it's going to be a little bit, right? It's not. It's not out yet. Yeah, it's not out yet. It's not out till June. Now they're, okay. they're you can buy them pre-order right now. Uh, JesseKellyBook.com has all the different websites on it if people want it. They're they're shipping them on June sixth, but you can buy them now. Excellent. So make sure you're checking out Jesse's radio show and of course his program on the first. Jesse, thank you so much for joining me. I think it was great talking with you, man. Thank you, my man. I enjoyed it. All right. Thanks for watching, guys. And as always. I'll talk to you next time.